You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. Y'all, I don't know if you know we're on YouTube now and it's it's actually a mind to be watching yourself in the monitor. It's exhausting. And yeah, this is... (laughs) So Bush League. Do you remember college and everyone be like, yeah, that's Bush League. It's very Bush League. <laughs> and my hair's my hair's brown. It's, I know it's great. Yo, I'm brown. I love it. Brown is in town. Mine I asked Justin the other day. I was like, Justin's my fiance. I'm like, do you like my hair? Like, what do you like my hair? Like back then, now he's like, oh, I think I like it. I think I like it blonde better. Oh. <laughs> I was like, uh, you don't know enough about life to know that you never tell the person that you like it better when it was different than it is now. I think what guys are so funny so, in that like they don't they don't make the connection between what the answer that you need to hear right now and their own truth and they like kind of don't jump that gap honestly. they're like oh, gosh, I like you blonde and you're like what like I'm I'm brown forever now and he's like <laughs> and the other day our our kittens were so we have we adopted two kittens from uh, Stray Cat Alliance in Los Angeles and at night they always come on me at three in the morning they're always like jumping on me they're meowing they're like and they do pussyfooting like because they're actually missing their mom because their mom abandoned them when mm. they were very little and I told Justin I was like it's so weird that they always come on me like they're always pussyfooting on me they're just on me he's like I think it's because I'm too bony <laughs> and I was like oh, what <laughs> sir. <laughs> I was like, what are you? Quarantine's going well. Uh, No, honestly, we're actually very not well. We're going to literally the other day I was in the car. I'm like, I was driving and I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, I feel so disconnected to him. I feel Mm -hmm. just we're not sinking and we're not connecting like deeply. And I was like going on. I'm like, okay, I need to like express my truth. And, And I was thinking for like 15 minutes. And then I finally was like stopped at a parking like a parking stop or a stop sign. Mm-hmm. And, and then I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, so yeah, I should probably pay for his rent this month. And I was like, <laughs> yo, what the kind of like fucked up brain do you have where I was like, I'm mad, I'm upset and I need to speak my truth. And then I'm like, I should probably pay for his rent. <laughs> like, yo, I was like, but that's But that's like, that's women. We want to take care. We also want to self-analyze yes. and make sure we're doing the work. Yes. I mean, that's generalizing, but generally that's how it goes. Yeah, I feel... I was like, what are you talking about? You're going to pay for his rent. <laughs> like, I was like, this wasn't even in the zeitgeist. It was like, you just need to tell him how you feel. Yes. Not like it's, you know, and I'm curious to know if people out there listening are experiencing this where the the fact that we are in quarantine and we're around, you know, whether it's loved ones, family, friends, partners, siblings, way more often than you're used to. Is it like, is it actually not helping with communication? Yeah. Because it's like almost too much energy like together. 
sometimes I feel that way because I, I, this is what it is. I don't have enough time by myself to know how I actually feel. Preach, honey. Preach it. (laughs) I don't know how I feel. So then like, we'll have like a deep conversation. I'm like, can I have like 15 minutes? Because I actually am going to, I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot right now. And I need to like take a lap. Yeah. I mean, I watched the Glennon Doyle posted a cute video of Abby, her, her wife. And Abby was saying, she's like, we've been together so much. We're side by side, but we're not connecting deeply. And we're not, you know, just, and women know it's so funny because women know exactly. Lesbians get it. Lesbians get it. (laughs) Lesbians get it first and foremost, but also just as a woman, you you know when you're connected. It's like mm-hmm. a very nuanced thing that men understand. A lot of men understand, but a lot of men don't know on the surface what the nuances of feeling connected is. So it's just such a feminine thing. I saw that and I was like, damn, that's literally the truth. That's literally how I feel. That's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't I haven't had time alone yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. Sean's leaving soon. He's like, I think you're gonna have a great time. Like, Honestly. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I was like, no, no, we're sad. And then I'm like, actually, honestly, I'm going to enjoy a little bit of it. Honestly, I'm like, <laughs> we're doing quiet hours at home. I'm like, we're, it's no talking. I'm yeah. like, no talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I would love to know how you guys are doing on that realm. And I was going to say like with relationships too, like there are those like waves and seasons, you yes. know, and like cycles of just like, yeah. And I think what's kind of heartbreaking is like, when you have seasons of being super connected and then you're not as connected for a little bit, it's like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. What is wrong? And of course there are things to like improve and, you know, things to work on. But I think that's why it's so hard because you'll have like a great season and then you compare it. You're like, wait, why isn't it like that anymore? I, rem- I remember doing that like so much in my relationships. Like when I was younger, it was more just like, we're not having sex anymore. And now it's honestly, because the whole gauge was like sex. (laughs) Honestly, like we're not having sex 12 times a day. Like what's wrong with me? You must think I'm disgusting. (laughs) And it was always like, so like stupid. stupid. It's, it's very interesting. At first we were really thriving and now we're not thriving at all. You're not alone. I don't. Yeah. And now it's just the fully sunk in of us being, it's like, we're back in quarantine again. Mm -hmm. You know, we're kind of, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's I mean, just, just this underlying questioning of like, where should we like live? Where should mm-hmm. we like, you know what I mean? There's just yes. like so many things where you're like, oh, like I feel unsettled. I know it's because there's a pandemic, but there's also just other questions yes. about life in general and what we thought it was going to be and how it's ending up different. But hopefully the hope is that it's better. But yeah, it's just, it's a lot individually and collectively anyway I need a damn break (laughs) so I booked a hotel by myself the second week of August good hotel walking yeah it's the best come chill it's the best or don't come chill don't come chill don't come chill don't find me not cheap but whatever (laughs) (laughs) mama needs to get out I'm really excited today. Alexander Roxo is on the pod. Her new book is out today. Fuck like a goddess. Yes. Feel yourself, reclaim your voice, stand in your power. She's been working on this book for a long time. And if you followed us, you know that we've had Alexandra on before. We've done events with Alexandra and she's just like our divine feminine guru. And she's just such a beautiful storyteller as well. Um, I really, you know, if you follow her on Instagram, simply like you'll just be blown away by her writing and I learned so much from her as she like really vulnerably 
moves through her own life highs and lows so yeah she's awesome it's it was cool too when we did that workshop with her you know Mm -hmm. we have the workshop on the shop now but just seeing the women like even if it was digital on zoom alexandra bringing them through the process of peeling back a lot of the conditioning that they had been through through noises through movement through meditation through music was so profound yeah you know it's such profound healing and I think that is an offering for us now in quarantine. You know, this can be a really healing time. So to really dig into topics like we talk about with Alexandra, whether it's sexuality or femininity or um, the patriarchy or the conditioning that we've been through or sex, now could be a really good incubatory period for you to like really dig into things that you want to learn or apply to your life, you know, for the next couple of years. Yeah. And it was it was really nice too, just last thing on that workshop, like where you can do these practices in like the privacy of your own home. And I think some of them are a little bit uncomfortable when you do them at first, whether it's breath work or movement or just like releasing of sounds and emotions. But I think, you know, that's also a gift of this time being home more and being able to just like do these practices on a more regular basis because we're not running around. Yes. So... Yeah, yeah, we were in an inter- our interview today that we did earlier. I was sitting there and we were talking to her and I was listening very intently, but I was also thinking in the back of my head, like, oh, this is my incubation year. This mm-hmm. is like the year I'm going to learn yeah. everything yeah. and just to dig into everything yeah. and then like clear it out for the years after. So it's like very honed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very hard right now for people to step into their power at this time. It, actually, no, it's not. That's actually not true at all. Um, some people are very much so stepping into their power, but for some, it can be a little bit more challenging because of the ways of the world. You know, people are being very tested. So it's just like, oh man, I want to like, I'm just going to accept this incubation. Yes. Well, I think that's like the the power of it, accepting it so that like it can actually take root because I think people want to just like rush through it. Yeah. Just like, you know, other like challenging seasons. It's like, no, no, no. For some reason, we're experiencing it in the way that we're experiencing it. And so, yeah, what can we kind of plant the seeds now for. Got to go rape. through what you grow through. Honestly, you got to feel it what to you need heal, to heal it. it. <laughs> Lindsay got a tarot reading. I am not, I was not pleased with it. About almost 30. <laughs> Although I thought it was good. Mm-mm. Eventually it was good. I want all major arcana. I oh. want all like the wheel. <laughs> I want all like the world. I want all of like, all of the big boys. I don't want any of the like three of swords. I mean, I think that's, it's speaking to this year. It's true. Just like tediousness and, you know, kind of. Send it back. Getting it focused. But yeah, I I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. You can learn more about Alexandra on her website, alexandraroxo.com. Again, her new book, Fuck Like a Goddess is out now. So you can order it off of her website. She's on Instagram at Alexandra Roxo. Uh, Before we dig in, we have a few things coming up with Almost 30. Our new Paradigm Workshop series continues. Uh, We have Brie Melanson this uh, Thursday, actually. Aliens, her abduction stories. So if you're interested in anything outside of, you know, what maybe you're normally exposed to in the spirituality realm. Brie is going to really dig into aliens, the aliens that she channels. She's going to do a channeling and then talk about the times that she's been abducted. What Mm -hmm. happened to her? What upgrades she got? What light codes she got? So this is going to be so fun and interesting and just like 
I cannot wait. Yeah, I cannot wait. A really unique workshop you won't find anywhere else. And then we released our merch yesterday. So we collaborated with Danny of Daisy LA. This is a sustainable, eco-friendly, slow fashion brand. She's also... A, an interior designer and a, I mean, Jesus, she does everything. everything. Graphic designer. She uh, designs clothes. She does art, like very cool art. And so we did a line with her. And this is just really about empowering y'all. So, you know, the ethos of Almost 30, that you are not alone. We have some fun, cheeky sayings as well, but all of the graphics are designed by Daisy with our inspo in mind and we know you guys are going to love it so we have sweatshirts and t-shirts all are soft as hell the softest organic cotton yes made in LA non-toxic really important to us so you can shop at shopalmost30.com right now all right pumped yeah let's do it all right enjoy this episode F-U-C-K. Like a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that was going to be your title? Uh, my original title was How to Heal Your Shit and Fuck Like a Goddess, mm. which is a little intense-er, actually. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so funny. You write like a book proposal and you no one tells you like, hey, just by the way, you should forecast who you're going to be in three years. Wow. You know, like, and really consider, is this the the person I am three years from now? That being said, like, fuck like a goddess. I feel it's, it works and I really love it. And also I love the subheader, which is heal yourself, reclaim your voice and stand in your power. Mm. And I like, I like the word fuck. I think it's like a really juicy word. I love when you say Mm -hmm. it. I know. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Pause. I know, honestly. Oh my God. You're like, so you say fuck again? <laughs> Just a podcast of you saying that. Yeah, there's something to yeah, the um, the confronting nature of cuss words. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say fuck like a goddess, it's so confronting. And that's almost the point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like books that have that confronting nature often do well because they generate the interest to allow the confrontation to happen. Mm -hmm. No bullshit. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like the word fuck, it's like having sex sounds so like clinical. Yeah. Like making love sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Something your 15 year old boyfriend told you he wants to do. Oh Oh my God. You had a a nice 15 year old Uh, boyfriend. (laughs) Oh my God. But there's something about like, Owning the word fuck, it feels like two things coming together to create a third thing. It feels like a merging of just like, it has so much, so many layers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, fuck off, like, fuck me, like, mm-hmm. fuck that. Like, there's just, there's, it, it feels like a, a, a bit of a vortex. So I like that about it, that it's like, when I chose that title, it's like, what if you like made love to life? What if you came into communion, like divine communion as like this divine being with mm. everything, your pain, your pleasure, your wounds, your truth? Like what if it all just like made love to you and opened you instead of like trying to control life or control the moment or so when I feel into that fuck like a goddess, it's just like the goddess is like nature and sunshine and volcanoes and like mm. the fucking 
pandemic moving through, you mm-hmm. know, like even though that I guess it wasn't naturally made, but things moving through our bodies as a, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a big ecosystem. So, yeah, obviously the word fuck means many things to me. <laughs> and when I think of you, like I immediately, the first word is goddess. Yeah. And, but I do want, because I think we throw that word around a lot. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, you're a goddess. You're a goddess. But I really like feel it in my cells mm. when I say it about you. Mm. I'm wondering like what that word means to you. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Because I, I do like feel like the word goddess without the word fuck would be kind of cheesy. I'm not going to lie. Like if yeah. my book was just called like, you know, dance like a goddess or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, Embody your inner goddess. Yeah, because like that word has a stigma of like goddess circles and like women in the 60s and 70s, <laughs> like wearing flowing white gowns. And like, that's obviously not me, but not everyone knows that. But I do think that the, the word goddess is like the, it, it's divinity. It's, how the divine feminine moves through our our human bodies, like how we are connected to something that came before and will come after us. So that part of it makes it divine that it's not just in this human moment in the here and now, but that it's it has some sort of like a mysterious creation that is part of something that's bigger than us, that we're connected to each other right? As, as women or as humans. And so like the goddess is the face of the feminine as she moves through us infinitely Mm -hmm. in all of her textures and all of her changing weathers and all of her archetypes and stories and narratives, like that it's all in us. It's all moving through us. And our human self is like our beautiful temporal self that will die you know, and then turn to dust and like, but there is perhaps an essence of us that is forever, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that for me to, to call that forth in the feminine is a part of what I think is really necessary on the planet today. As much as even that has, you know, controversy and like kind of taboo around gender and like, I still firmly believe that there are uh, thousands of years of elements of the feminine that have been cut out of our modern world, our world in general, Mm -hmm. that need to be reclaimed, whether we're men, women, non-binary, it doesn't matter. Like these, like I have a womb and I, I can procreate and there are qualities that are associated with that nature that Mm. I am and their qualities of the earth of like nurturing and not killing each other Mm -hmm. not killing the earth Mm -hmm. you know of protecting each other protecting our young protecting our land yes and these are the things that have been kind of eradicated by the patriarchy along with so much else which I talk about in the book oh you did you do like a little history yeah I talk about I I mean I talk about many things I talk about lineage and I talk about my sort of my background and my whiteness and my um, socioeconomic like sort of where I'm coming from this book from. So there's like a lot of kind of, you know, getting into things. And then, yeah, I talk about why our female bodies were treated in the way that they have been, why we sort of got wrapped in this greater cultural narrative of like, we're only lovable if we're thin and we're pretty and we can, we'll put so much time and energy into that and why our sexuality got hidden and told that it was dirty and like our 
period dirty and why as women, we got kind of banned from the churches and our, our relationship to the earth got banned from like, you know, our lives, like all of that. I do talk about all of that in, in the first part of the book, mm-hmm. like why it's so important right now that we reclaim all that. Mm-hmm. It seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but I think especially the stuff with like religion and stuff is so deeply entwined. You know, it took me a while to be like, wait, why why is this this way for so many reasons? But can you talk a little bit about that? What is the history behind, say, for, you know, the thinness and the having your body look a certain way? When was that narrative like implanted in the feminine? Mm. Well, I will say I'm definitely not like a historian per se in this, but I have done quite a bit of research in terms of like what I know about Christianity is that's the background that I grew up in and the the archetype and the story that I like to look at is like, okay, how are women represented in the Bible? And I'll circle back around to your question and how that relates to the here and now. But, you know, the women represented in the Bible is like the Virgin Mary and um, a virgin actually has historical roots in not being a woman who's never had sex, but a woman who is sovereign under her own. And that kind of got misconstrued over time or it's one interpretation. And then there's the other character of Mary Magdalene who was portrayed as a whore, right? Which over time we've read in many different books that that is a portrayal that was chosen again, right? So there's in, in this sort of Christian religion, there's this polarization of woman. You either are a virgin or whore. You either a good girl or a bad girl, Mm. you know? And that's been sort of, if you look at, movies, Mm -hmm. songs. It's something that's been so deeply entrenched in the narratives that it's like most of us had to choose. Now, if you're a good girl, you're going to choose to be pretty and quiet and thin and small and you want to be likable, right? Like you want to be good. So I think that it kind of all stems from that, right? Mm -hmm. You you imagine this like good girl, um, Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. It's the Madonna whore complex that Freud talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's like, it's like in our cell tissue, you Mm -hmm. know, like as a woman, like to hold both of those poles is intense, you know, to, to hold them both publicly is intense. Like, could you be both of those things on any given day? And could you, you know, like release your desire to be seen as good? And, you know, it's a really, it's a big one. It's a hard one. It's so deeply in us. We're like, no, but I want to do good. Mm-hmm. But I want to be seen as good. I think that the thinness works on different levels. There's like a just becoming smaller, taking up less space in the world which is like a very spiritual and energetic thing. It's like as women, if we take up less space in the world, then then there's more space for men or like, you know, kind of oppressive uh, systems. If you look back like at statues of goddesses or maybe you even look back to, to Greece or whatever, like the female bodies weren't, they weren't manicured, they weren't small. Actually, they were like really luscious uh-huh. and rich. I'm not sure exactly the exact point that thinness started being of high value. Um, I, de- I definitely grew up in the 90s. So I saw and I experienced growing up during like the Kate Moss time, which really heavily impacted me. And I think that if we would have grown up maybe even like in the 50s, we would have been accepted 
to have like a little bit more curves in us. So I think the narrative around the female body has changed over time as trends and fashion and media dictated. So, I mean, I think that those of us who grew up in like the 90s, 2000s, maybe just got kind of the short end of the stick that like, oh shit, I incarnated during the time where like I'm supposed to be really skinny in order to be lovable or in order to be considered up to the beauty standard Mm. or whatever. So I think that 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 piece is maybe independent of religion. I don't think necessarily like that the religion or spiritual piece dictated like, oh, our thinness. But I think there's something about wanting to take up less space Mm -hmm. in general. Um, A big, juicy, luscious body takes up more space Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, It calls more attention. It speaks of sex. It speaks of earth. It speaks of ripeness. And I think that the Protestant Mm. bit just kind of like we know that's like really tempting mm. <laughs> you know like a ripe fecund like luscious woman is so tempting like mm-hmm. we need to cover her and quiet her and kind of numb her down and dumb her down which you don't see necessarily like in maybe like some Latin American um, or Catholic space, but I think Protestant specifically, and I grew up in Protestant church. Mm -hmm. So in my book, I'm like very clear, like I grew up in the Bible Belt Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and everybody's experience is very different depending on the culture that you grew up in. So your, your experience of your own body is different depending on that. But uh, I know that from working with thousands of women, I know there are thousands, probably millions of women who are still in a battle with their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, statistics um, show this. And I talk about that in my book too, how much money and how many people are suffering still around their body as one thing. Yeah, it's huge. Definitely. Just to stay on that, on the religious uh, vein, but speaking to divinity and finding divinity in your sexuality and in your body. And I just think history, religion, et cetera, have just taught us to separate the two. And so, you know, I'm sure a lot of women are kind of reckoning with that where it's like, oh, I can be quote sexual. I can be like loving my body and desiring pleasure and also believe in higher power and also, you know, engage either in religion or spirituality. I'd love to talk about kind of where that intersected for you. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. There's this healer that I went to recently and he was like, so you have this really mystical old soul, like really old soul, but you have this. And I was like, (laughs) I started cracking up and I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, yeah, I'm a freak. <laughs> I have a, I have a like a, a hungry, like sensual body. Yes. And he was like, "Well, your soul incarnated into this body because that's the lesson. You have to bridge the gap between this notion that your soul mm-hmm. is like this, you know, kind of like pure divine being, and you like have to also not let the animal in you take over. You know, so, and that's kind of been my sort of identity." is like going through phases where I'm like super purist and then phases where I'm just like, let the animal out. And now I'm at a phase where they're pretty integrated though. You know, sometimes I can swing in one direction or another, but that's like, that's the spiritual path that I've chosen. And it's not necessarily one that comes with like a certain guidebook. I think that you could call it like, you know, 
being connected to the earth. You could call it like shamanic. You could call it tantric. You could call it witchy. You know, like there are certain, all of those are like buckets or containers that some of these concepts Mm -hmm. can land in. But for me, it's not been something I like read from a book. It's been lived experiences of like, oh, okay, I still am holding shame around my sexuality. Why is my sexuality not allowed in my relationship to God, Mm. goddess, divinity, into living, you know? And then just tracing that backwards and going, oh, that was a choice made by (laughs) a bunch of dudes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to say that I should be ashamed of my desire, you know? So it's really helped me kind of some of the Eastern traditions and looking in general at what if all parts of me are divine and how can I move through that? Now, with that comes... There's there's a lot of wounding around some of these areas, right? So it's it's not the same thing as going, I'm going to be sexually empowered and just going to go fuck whoever I want. And that's going to be my <laughs> prayer to God. That's what know? the book's about, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that would be kind of the opposite. It, that would be like taking it to the other extreme. And we see that and like in social media and out in the world. It's a certain phase where you're like reclaiming your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, like, Everyone and anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, wow, look at me, you know, yeah, look at me. And I, I mean, I've like can look back at some moments in my life where I'm like, oh, that was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> that I let that because I was in that space of like, oh, my sexuality is mine. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of get past that phase of like, I'm going to empower myself, then you can integrate that and you can just allow for that to be a part of you that is divine and that is true and that is real without it being like, you know, something you have to broadcast or make to be your everything. But only you know that, you know, where you're at with that. And and we, I think we kind of ebb and flow. There are times where I'm like, oh my God, I'm experiencing like a big sexual shame coming up. This is weird. Uh, and then I have to sit and work through that for a few weeks. And I'm like, huh, wonder why. Okay, this person mm. triggered this thing in me, this old shame story or whatever. Right. I guess just on that path, I just want to unpack that a little bit so yeah. people can figure out how they would do that themselves. Yeah. So, when that happens, so you notice, so what happens is you notice someone triggering you. Yeah, so you go on a date with someone and like mm-hmm. you kiss them or make out with them or like start to hook up with them, but you don't feel like your heart's being held or valued or you don't feel like you're really in like a kind of communal good intention, right? Like it's like maybe you're a little tipsy or whatever. These are very kind of rudimentary examples, but maybe you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh shit, like. Mm-hmm. I'm ashamed of myself, right? Like I'm ashamed of myself. Like I I just opened my body too quickly to someone without there being like my heart feeling held and I just used sex to get connection or wow, that's an old pattern. When did that first start? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the first time I did that, maybe when I was 13 when I really just wanted connection and love from this guy. But I gave him sex in order to attempt to get love back and it felt empty, right? So whatever the the story is for one particular person, you can trace it back, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily about that moment. It can be, and that's a part of it, but like seeing how that lands and lives in your system and how that's maybe been something you've done for a few years or 10 years or however, and then you can begin to make a change around it. The The, the change takes awareness first. Mm. Sometimes we repeat the shit that we do for a very long time. Yes. We're like, 
oh, oh, wow, I'm doing that thing and I'm feeling this and I'm tired of feeling this. Yeah, yeah. the shame compounds and mm-hmm. then it gets really murky. Yeah. You know, you almost like, it, it almost like creates a distance between you and yourself. Of course, like yeah. It's like you almost become undi- unidentifiable. Oof. Because I think in those like physical moments with someone, I can feel so much myself. Mm. But I think over time, especially in my late teens, early twenties, like it was so many of those moments where I gave myself to that person where they really weren't open, holding me, like really saw me, felt me. And over time, like it just kind of numbed me out a little bit. And then I was like very unclear about, so who am I? in these situations, in these relationships? How do I really feel? Is this normal? Like it all became very murky, very murky. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, it's just the process that we all have to go through. It's just like actually noticing, oh, mm-hmm. I'm disconnected from my body and I'm disconnected from myself and I'm feeling guilty or I'm mm-hmm. feeling I ashamed. think most people spend most days disconnected from their body. Mm-hmm. Sitting in your car, in like commuting to work, at work at your desk, on your phone. Most of what we do in this life is like not connected to your body. I know. Well, for most of us, like living in like a Western-y yes, right. world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't, something that I work with, like that was really important for my journey was getting out of my head and into my body and really feeling what it's like to live in the body. Mm. And I think especially if you've had kind of a fraught relationship with your weight or your physical form, like to come in and feel your body. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, what does Mm. it mean to be in my body? Like, of course I'm in my body. I'm going to soul cycle. Like I'm working out all the time. Like I'm in my body. But what I realized is like, could I feel the depth of my heart Mm -hmm. or my pleasure? And it took me a lot of time because it meant dropping into so many uncomfortable feelings. <laughs> it's like, how many years have I been avoiding feeling everything? And if you're a deep feeler, which I think most of us actually are, mm-hmm. then it can be completely overwhelming yeah. to be in your body. And if you've experienced any traumas, again, and you've never really dealt with them, it can be completely overwhelming to come into the body because you start feeling fight, flight, freeze, fear, guilt, shame, like just like all these things that don't exist if you sort of try to stay in the logical, analytical mm-hmm. mind of like what I need to do and da 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 But the... the the, the most glorious bliss and ecstasy and love and pleasure exists in the body. And so if we avoid the pain in our bodies, we're avoiding the deep pleasure. Mm. So to me, that's just my practice and helping women to have the courage to come back in, come back home, even if it means like, well, you might feel like real, like kind of yucky some days. And all the women that do my programs, like we say, like, oh my God, I'm feeling sticky. I'm feeling crunchy. Like the the days where like you wake up and like the feelings in your body are just like awful. Yes. Um, And just learning how to move through them anyway. Yeah. Not numb out. I find it hard to do with a partner at my, you know, it's hard. It's easier to like heal in that way and feel in that way when you're not with Mm -hmm. someone. It could be as easier for some, but I find it harder for me because it's like, how do I explain this? You know what I mean? Like, what do I do to explain this to you right now about About them like laughing or being like, yeah, or just like, even like, there's a lot of stuff I've never told anyone, Mm. you know, that's happened traumatically. And it's like, 
do we want to do this? You know, mm. I just am like, oh, do, am I going to talk about this? But um, something you... Well, but before you move on, yes. I just want to address that. You don't have to talk about it, though. Yeah. you. It's a feeling space. So you can yeah. bring that into your lovemaking. You don't have to say what's... As long as that man is prepared to hold you and he has some depth to his own sense of self and practice, then you can bring all of what you're feeling into the lovemaking mm -hmm. and it can be ecstatic and so deep and potent and mm -hmm. powerful. So it's not even about talking about it yeah. at all. And I mean, it just means that man's got to be able to like, you're a strong, vast, robust human. You have a lot of power. And so if you really open that into mm. the room, he's got to be able to handle it. Like, you know, like he's standing in a, a, a tsunami and a rainstorm mm -hmm. and going, yeah, give it to me. You know, this <laughs> is very much in the David Data work. For like, sure. I know you guys have had John Wineland on here. So, I mean, all of that feeling in your body is actually fuel for the intimacy and for the love. Mm. It just takes a little bit of practicing how to do that. So it's not like people get kind of bowled over by it all. <laughs> and even if they do, like, you're going to be okay. But like, like, ah. Are there like conversations outside of the, the, the bedroom that, that we could be having with our partners that, or people that we start dating that would open both people up mm. when, when they do. Cause I, I do think at least in my experience, the conversations out of the bedroom really helped me to be turned on, like be so connected. Like mm -hmm. there's just like a depth for sure. There. Yeah. So are there ways to do that? Yeah. And the most interesting conversation is the embodied one is not the word one. It's you. Yeah. Mm. So if you're angry, it's you walking into the kitchen and like feeling the anger in your body and just like, <laughs> or if you're just like super turned on, expressing it mm -hmm. through sound, through the way you move, all of that. That's the most interesting conversation in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's not sitting down and being in a processing to me. So oh my God, true. yawn. But sometimes we have to, it's totally fine. But, but it, creating yourself as an invitation. Yeah. Right. So like if you're pissed, letting that move through you, there's a difference between spewing that onto your partner and letting it move through you as an opening so that they can come in and either uh. wrap their arms around you and then they get to feel like this powerful, mm -hmm. sexy man, woman, human. Or, you know, like that, that you're just like so open that they can just come in and like penetrate you with their lovemaking. That to me is, that's where the magic happens. But you have to be courageous totally. to get out of your head in that moment and to look like a frigging dummy. Because mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm like 10 years old. I'm like literally giggling right now. <laughs> you walk into the kitchen and you're like, say you're like really mad about something. And if you like, instead of going, God, I'm really mad about this. Uh -huh. You go, uh, and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? How might he get?
get to play with you there and be like, ooh, you're mad. And you mad at me and you're like, no, I'm mad at the world. And like, how might he get to then show up to you and go, yeah, how mad are you? Show me, you know, or whatever. Yes. Like, there's mm-hmm. such opportunity there versus going, well, I'm really mad about the news and the current politics that are happening today. But And even you saying that, I'm like, oh, you're in your head. Like yeah. there's a quality of like, yes. yeah. Your voice when you know someone is in their head and when they're in their yeah. body. I yeah, mean, that's it powerful. takes takes wanting to risk it for a lot for, for sure art and for the magic of like fucking and intimacy. Like you have to be willing to look dumb and to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I really enjoy those. But moments. that's like also the vulnerability. Oh, you know, so what's endearing. All in it. That's when whenever <laughs> it's in sex, when you're doing something new or different, or you like want to explore something new, you always have that moment of vulnerability where you're like, this could be dumb this could yeah. be risky this could not go the way i wanted <laughs> yeah i could you, poop on you right now honestly, i don't know <laughs> you might say yes to pooping you might say no it's very on him. you're like are it we gonna is. do this it is and tying that to your heart is so important and yeah. to your feelings and like that's where the deep intimacy can happen with like two people it's like when we're in our bodies together mm. in the present moment yeah and when you take that risk and it's like received, it's Ooh. the best, the mm-hmm. best, the best feeling, mm-hmm. you know, like. And he has the opportunity to rise and meet you, mm-hmm. you know, and if he can't for the first few times, it's okay. Cause then he's going to go, oh shit, I better start like maybe doing some breath work or meditating mm. or doing something to increase my capacity of my nervous system yeah. to hold Krista because she's a powerful woman. So I better get big so that, yeah. she, you know what I mean? I've been thinking a lot about doing more Kundalini. I feel like I was mm. like, oh, I was, I don't know, I was talking about mm. to someone. And I'm like, for the nervous system specific only, you know, yeah. that is such a good nervous system mm-hmm. activity. I was thinking about that. I'm like, I need to bring that back into my practice. Yeah. And he could do it too. You guys yeah. can do it together. Yeah. It's interesting. He, Justin, you know, specifically, <laughs> he, he, he does have a hard time being in his body. I like mm. will notice it sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, your little brain, it's like all happening here. Mm. Like I'll just look at his mm. face and like, it's all happening here. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think he has a hard time getting in his body too, because I don't know many men that are, I, I don't know many embodied men. I know. And it's, it's John, new, John it, Wineland, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like, devoted his, <laughs> his life to that. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it is new. I mean, that's why we're, that's why like I teach it that and, you know, he teaches that and, and many people are like, hey, like the, the, the fun stuff is happening in the mm, body. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> at our, at our workshop that we did with you, part of that was breath work. And yeah. breath work has been really transformative for me. And, you know, even during this interview, I just notice you really consciously taking mm. breaths. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we hold our breaths, breath so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, both the science behind it and, you know, the kind of like the connection. Cause when I, when I do breath work, it's like rocket to everything I'm connected to, mm. to divinity, to, mm-hmm. you know, there's just like this clear line. Yeah. So I'd love, I'd love to talk more about breathwork because I think yeah. a lot of people are curious, but nervous. Yeah. About it. Well, so I'll tell you like a little story, which is, so when I went to NYU is where I studied primarily like art and embodiment and vocal training. And it's kind of like the basis for what I do now. My teacher was like, you're an inward breather. So you have, because you've been holding your belly in your whole life, you've learned how to breathe in the inside without moving your belly. Mm -hmm. So you can keep a flat stomach. 
So that was like my little girl Same. In, to age 18. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and my teacher was like, that's not going to work. You know, like you have to untrain yourself for that. If you're going to be an artist or an actor, like for you sure. have to be able to create space in your body. So one of my main healings has been allowing my belly to be soft and allowing my belly to be full of breath and I have said in classes I teach that that is a radical act as a woman to walk around with a soft belly hanging out because when we breathe into our belly, it actually looks pregnant with mm. like regardless of our size. And to walk through the world with a soft belly means that there's oxygen flowing there. It means that the energy center there is soft and open and available. One of my great teachers, she said once, she said like, well, if someone punches you in the belly, what do you do? You like clench to prevent feeling. And so if you think about it, if we're always clenched, we're in the space of preventing feeling. If we're always tight in our belly and our abs and our lower body, think about the years of residual tension. Mm. And then we try to open for an orgasm like real quick. It's like, well, no, I've been holding this area of my body tight. And then you add in like the part around our menstrual cycle and like that, that we've held that kind of as like quiet, like don't be smelly or like take the Advil. Don't, you know, don't be crampy. Like, so to take it, to talk back to the breath, there is this really powerful unwinding that happens in breathing into your belly and letting your belly be soft. For me as a woman, I think that we have a very unique intuitive portal, a a response that happens in our womb, in our cervix, in the lower part of our body that we've been cut off from for so long. And and that when we tense and we don't breathe there, we literally are cutting ourselves off from our source. Yeah. And so whether it's for orgasmic pleasure or for intuitive knowing or for just feeling life more the breathing into the lower body and the belly for women is really really key and then on the sort of like more scientific level by breathing consistently with that kind of deep openness you stop yourself from living in like a fight fight or fleas freeze (laughs) (laughs) fight flight freeze response in your nervous system which so it's just like survival mode which is so many humans are living in Mm -hmm. so but there are humans that live in really difficult living conditions like living conditions that we would in our western world would be like what the fuck There are people that live not in fight, flight, or freeze, not in survival mode, that are experiencing joy, pleasure, and love that don't have nearly as much as we have. Of course. So it's not even like, okay, like this is about, you know, oh, that I've like transcended past this, you know, thing. No, anybody can live in an open body and an embodied, like, feeling state of pleasure and life Mm. and love, you know? And I love seeing cultures and people that despite trauma, despite hard conditions are dancing and singing and um, are not living in this hyper survival Mm. tension mode. Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot to learn from them. So the breath is, you know, it's the, it's the beginning, it's the bridge. It's, it's like the thing that connects us to something bigger. It's the last thing before we leave this planet it's the first thing when we arrive 
you know, it is this link to the divine in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So the practice that I lead women and I call an embodiment practice because I use breath, sound, and movement together as like an activation tool. But there are so many different types of breath work where just breath is kind of like the basis. And that's the most important thing to get things going and to drop us out of our head and into our heart Mm. usually or into the body, whatever, however you want to categorize it. And that's usually like where it does feel like you like just took like MDMA or like some sort of a drug and you have to let go and you have to go through this period of anxiety where your body's going, don't do this, don't do this, don't Mm -hmm. do this. (laughs) So I have so much like compassion when I'm leading a group of women in that space because I know that moment where you're like, I do not want to let go. And I see people and they start crying and shaking and moaning and like, but then they like afterwards are so gorgeous. Like their eyes are like shooting rainbow stars out at me. And I'm just like, oh my God. (laughs) That's like your eyes. What you you did like a, you covered your eyes like, or no, you covered them like as in you recorded what your eyes, like the changing of your eyes. Oh. Do you remember that last year where you took a picture oh, yeah. of your eyes after some healing some that you did? Some ceremony that I you did. I love looking at. Because I think of like eyes as being the win- the windows to the soul, yes. you know? They're like galaxies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if that connects to some like, you know, God texture, I like seeing that. You Even last week I was like feeling shame about things going on in the world and like my privilege. And uh, my friend said, wow, I saw you in that Instagram live. You look bad. <laughs> No way. <laughs> she said, you look like there's a lot of shame, like a lot of pain mm. in your eyes. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot of pain there. And I'm glad I, I was able to show up anyway. Just be well, like, yeah. hey guys, here yeah. I am. And I'm in pain because of everything that's happening in the world. Um, and then to, you know, like go be in nature this past weekend. And then to be like, oh my God, look at me. I'm a new person now <laughs> because I've cleaned some of that off my soul mirror, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. What is, I mean, you're here in LA just on that. Like, do you go into nature regularly or do you kind of hit a threshold? Because I've been thinking a lot about that, like, kind of the residue that a city leaves on you. Mm. Now the 5G towers are up. Yeah, no. I know, man. I'm I'm getting out. I don't know where I'm going. Dude, who was it? Jessica and Yadu, when we were on live the other day, she goes, let me just say, I'm not predicting anything, but just know that okay. all my astrologer friends are no longer living in big cities. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. I think there's going to continue to be mass exoduses. I'm just yeah. like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it's going to happen for me mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to nature as much as I can, as much as my schedule permits, but I find that like walking barefoot, eating mushrooms, hugging trees, being naked, peeing on the earth. Like, <laughs> oh, I like peeing on the earth. Really that's a good important. One. Peeing in the ocean is one of my favorite things. That's oh, a good one. I don't know if that's bad for the environment, but I really, <laughs> there's something about it. We'll know. We'll, we'll know. <laughs> we'll know after yeah, we'll get the comments. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. But I think, you know, that's just something that we've lost in general is like the depth of like how mad, how wonderful it is to be in connection with nature. And yeah, that's where I feel the most me and the most free. But I also love art and urban environments. But I think I might have done it. I did 12 years in New York, two years in Seattle, one year in Portland, five years here. I'm like, Mm. all right. Yeah, honey. (laughs) It's time to relax. Truly. (laughs) It's interesting with talking about, you know, I'm thinking about sexuality and sex and then um, also religion too. And in Law of One, they talk a lot about how Yahweh was one of, they called him Yahweh at the time, brought sex, sexuality to humans. And with even in religion, when religion was brought through many 
teachers and leaders, they were both distorted mm. to be in religion's case, the what was pure and good and divine was distorted to be something that was making people separate, that had the hierarchy, that created things like the Ten Commandments with the thou shalt, which you know separates us from ourselves and, and separates us from the divine. And then within sexuality too, it was used, um, it was given to Yahweh to teach the people as a tool of like radical transformation and spiritual growth. But then it was distorted in a way where now it has like the darkness at points attached to it or like it can be distorted in a way in which it's used for power it's used for separation it's used for energy vampiring there's just a mm-hmm. lot of the the distortion mm-hmm. that's used within it but in the law of one they talk a lot about that mm. yeah i haven't read that book but yeah there's a shadow and a light side to everything mm-hmm. in terms of like being in this dualistic world and it's our like practice it's like our martial arts training to be able to discern in those moments and to transform them right and to feel really deeply like ooh, that feels not right Mm -hmm. to my body right like engaging in that you know practice or that movie or that person or whatever it is that is dealing with that kind of like texture around sexuality mm-hmm. like to me that will feel like ebgbs if i'm in my body yes. you know it's just like ooh, oh yeah <laughs> honestly I but sometimes it's like a drug too so like there's definitely like i i i've definitely explored darker sides of sexuality and it's there's a space where we can explore but we have to be careful we don't get kind of stuck there. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to bring consciousness to that space, right? So it's like, it's not for everybody that path. I mean, I think I talk about some of that in my book also, just like different phases of my life where I've explored certain things. And sometimes I have gotten burned and I have gotten mm-hmm. hurt by being open to exploring or to, to walking through the dark hallway around certain sexual things and getting stuck there for a minute and going, oh my God, I don't know how to get out of here, mm-hmm. you know, metaphorically speaking. Is that path for everyone? No. Um, is the path of being afraid of it like better? No. <laughs> you know, so it's like um, when you say like things, what do you like? Do you mean practices or rituals or I like? Mean, well, it's like say it. <laughs> Just Where am I gonna go with this? Speak to it. <laughs> Let's okay. Paint a picture. Yeah, honestly, how many people? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just say like you could say. Let's look at like BDSM for one thing, okay. right? Like mm-hmm. so. If you're like, okay, I want to explore parts of my sexual shadow or my sexual kind of like possibilities, you know, you could go into a a situation with BDSM and you could really be totally humiliated and sacrifice yourself and kind of be lured by that shadow of play, but without consciousness present or love present or intention present, Mm. right? So it's a sticky place. It's like handling fire. We have to be like, we have to be knowledgeable and aware enough. Otherwise, we're going to get burnt, you know, but sometimes we we become knowledgeable by getting burnt and everyone's path is different in that mm. way. So like, you know, for somebody that might be going to a sex party for the first time or, you know, it might be um, telling their boyfriend like, okay, this is my desire and I want to enact this fantasy with you. And there could be in that, that like darkness comes up, like shame could come up, guilt could come up, fear could come up. And it's a matter of like, if there's consciousness present, like if you're not drunk and if you're in your body, in your body, then you can breathe through that stuff. 
And you can have a good cry if it comes up. But if you're not in your body and you're not present, then you're creating trauma for yourself. Mm. So it's like, you know, the sex energy is like really, there's a reason that there's so much, you know, fear and stigma and everything. Because it's, we're dealing with the most powerful energy on the planet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does it mean we just totally smush it down and shut it down? No. Does it mean we just like open it up at any given point? No. It's like, we have to be really intentional and really like, you know, loving and careful and, and, and really elevate that energy and then know that there will come there will come shame there will come guilt there will come fear because we're not at the level of consciousness as a society where that stuff's not gonna show up so it's more of like well what do I do when it shows up Mm -hmm. you know like maybe I said to my lover oh I want to enact this fantasy with you and then I ended up feeling so like gross and guilty Mm. about it well I could pretend like oh that was fun that was cool (laughs) <laughs> or I could like cry in his arms and go oh. wow that triggered this moment where I thought where I felt like such a slut and so disgusting and let him hold me while I cry and have an opportunity for healing right so you know it takes it takes courage just like we talked about before it takes courage to actually show up and be present in your feelings and in your body and if you are going to open to you know, experiencing sexuality as a part of your spiritual path or as a part of your divine nature, then you have to be prepared for those moments because of the greater healing that we're all a part of. So the healing is going to come forth in you at some point. It's not even personal. It's like for our mothers and our grandmothers and for all of everyone. Um, And it's like not being ashamed of that and going, oh, it's so uncool that like, I just had a total meltdown around that, you know, just like going like, no, that's just a part of it. And it's actually artful. And then the healing that's happening within me is actually so powerful for me, for my partner, for like the children we may have, like all of it. And I'm not going to shy away from that. Mm. My last question is around archetypes. I've been thinking a lot about our friend Milana Snow. I did a session with her and we were talking about archetypes and I'd love to just explore like why it's so important that we lean into different archetypes and what, what purpose they can serve as we get to know ourselves. Because I think there is so much shame around some archetypes that we hold and some archetypes that could feel so good and nourishing to Mm. our own soul, but maybe society's like, uh, you know, so yeah. I just, I'd love to, I'd love to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, the way I look at it is like having a keyboard and you want to not just play one note on the keyboard, right? Like, so say in the journey of your whole lifetime, like, oh, did I just bang away at this one little key? Or did I actually like tiptoe across this whole keyboard? And did I actually play and go, oh, here, what does it sound like when I'm at an A and a C and here? What does this deep tone sound like? And so to me, it's like a deep pleasure as a woman to be able to have this freedom to, to embody all these different archetypes. Um, and then to, to, to let them move through me moment to moment because it's not like, oh, you know, maybe there's a, a year where I'm like embodying a little bit more wild woman and then another year where I'm embodying like a little bit more like priestess and like whatever. <laughs> but the 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 yummy part is when there's like a symphony of all of them coming together and it's moment to moment and you don't choose it from your head. You breathe into your belly 
And that moment where you like walk into your kitchen and your lover's there, like the thing is presenting itself through you because of like the moment. That is when it's artful and gorgeous. But sometimes we need to pull these archetypes into our daily practice so we can get comfortable with them, right? So it's like the things that scare you the most, I would say, bring into your daily practice. If it's like the witch or the sacred prostitute or the hag or the crone or whatever the thing is that you're like, I don't want to be that. (laughs) Um, I would pull it into my practice and then like write about it and feel it. Like I, you know, I think I told you, Lindsay, on our Instagram live that I like did that with like the bitch archetype during this quarantine. Like, I don't know why I was feeling super bitchy one week. And I was like, why am I being such a judgmental bitch this week? (laughs) And I was like, okay, just let's embrace it. Like, let's go deeper into it and just say, sometimes I'm a judgmental bitch. And like, she lives in me and she protects me when I need to be Mm. protected at times. And then sometimes she's just like cold and standoffish, you know? And so that was just like a gorgeous practice to have with myself. And I allowed that to come forth out of the moment because I noticed I was judging someone. So I think that, you know, we can either try to play the same note on the keyboard and do it so well that it just becomes like so common in place. And we're just like, oh, I'm I'm Alexandra and I'm always going to be sort of funny and quirky and da, 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 da. Or we can go, um, no, like I want to see what it's like to walk into a room as like the most fucking regal queen or as like an enchantress, you know, or like as like a trickster. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I love Carl Jung's work in terms of archetypes. It's not necessarily around feminine archetypes, but just archetypes in general. But I I think with feminine archetypes, it's like looking to the weather, looking to goddesses, looking to deities, looking to even um, writers or musicians or actors. Like I use all of that as my material. I mm-hmm. make like Pinterest boards and I'm like, I'm going to explore <laughs> This archetype. I want to see your hag Pinterest board. (laughs) I know my hidden ones. There's so many hidden. And that's where it comes into embodiment, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're on the ground on all fours, like, you know, and I'm leading you in a practice where you're like breathing and sounding and I ask you to call forth your like fucking like, I'm going to kill you lioness, you know, like then that is, that's something that then you could call forth in, in real life in one gaze. You don't, then growl at someone in the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, you could, but you just look at them with that one gaze because you've been practicing the lioness. You know how to protect yourself with that one little at them, you know? Yeah. Awesome, I just got the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. And this is like, I mean, this goes back to my acting training. Right. This yeah. also is in a lot of that polarity work that we've been talking about that that's important to me as well. And also in like the sort of feminine goddess spirituality traditions and also in psychotherapy. So this is all of this lives in us as humans in narratives and fairy tales and stories. It's just a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. I think it's like magic, you know? Yeah, that's what I loved about acting. It was like bringing out parts of myself that I didn't really get to be necessarily mm-hmm. in the everyday. Mm-hmm. And even like I was talking to my boyfriend, he's like, well, you're like, sometimes I don't know if you're acting. And I was like, it's all me, but it's yeah. all like, there's all different, different views, views of course. which I think can 
that's why there's like a little shame around it because people are like, huh, huh? Because they haven't accessed that within mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. So I just think we have the ability if we access these different archetypes yeah. to liberate each other. Exactly. And like I was co- like doing a lot of like very wild women posts on Instagram, like maybe two years ago. And that liber, I felt so many women liberated by that. Like, and it's funny because I feel like I integrated that part of myself. I don't need to show her off as much anymore, but like, I'm like, man, but women love it. I fucking love that shit. That was fucking powerful. I was living for it. I'm always living for your stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, In ceremony, are you still doing ceremony? Like, have you? Um, I I feel like I'm good for a while. Yeah, because you did a long bit of it. Yeah, there was some stuff around specifically my relationship to my dad that Mm -hmm. I really had to sit with for quite a few years, which I talk about in my book, a long part of my healing journey. And in the past few years, I was like, I'm just really wanting to move through this. And so I kind of went, well, just kept going deeper into it. And it did, like my father and I totally made peace. He didn't even have to, he, he just looked at me one day and was like, you have changed and the love coming from you is just totally different than I've ever experienced. So, you know, and I I used to hate him at times. So the work I did on myself transformed hate, like hatred into unconditional love Mm. and forgiveness. And it, it took a lot of work, I'll tell you that much. But then now we have a great relationship. And I was considering like maybe not having him in my in my life anymore because I just didn't think it was possible um, to have a healthy relationship with him. So uh, that's like the coolest miracle that's ever happened in my whole existence of this life is the fact that like my father and I turned so much pain and hatred into actual love. And like now he like calls me every day on FaceTime. And I'm like, oh, okay. God. <laughs> I'm like, like not here's, this much love. Oh. Here's for all the years that like wow. this didn't happen. Yes. Um, and I know a lot of people don't get to experience that with their parents. Like mm. their parents die and they still never mended. And anyway, so for me, the medicine work that I did with ayahuasca, psilocybin, like the sort of deep stuff was really specifically around my relationship to my dad and just wanting to like move through that so that it could have healthy relationships with other men, knowing that if I was still holding like hatred and anger towards him, that that would just permeate. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, all you did work for on yourself, you know, to see that different reaction exist in the world or the different situation exist in the world, which I think is really important for a lot of people. I know. know. It's it's like, it wasn't, he didn't change. I changed my Mm. relationship to being angry at him and being victimized by him. And since then, he hasn't done anything mean wow. or said anything mean. Wow. And the one thing he did say it was, it was kind of mean. I actually laughed. And I said, <laughs> I, said you, I said, you are so sadistic. And because he is, he was like, remember when Trump got elected and you were so sick and depressed and like sad. He was like, I loved that. Dude, what? I was like, you're so you were I was like, you are a sadist. And you know, it didn't trigger me. And you know, there's that's that's my father. He Mm -hmm. he has a very dark sadistic side. And you know, like I don't go into all of it in my work, but you know. Um but that was a beautiful, I was like, I'm a fucking rock star. I can sit Truly. here and not take this personally. I'm just like, yeah. The best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no like, better feeling. It's not giving him <laughs> that power. Yeah. And still having love. 
loving him, yeah. knowing that he like, you know, hurt people want to hurt other people want to be accompanied in their pain, you know, mm-hmm. and and I can just go, oh, you little cutie. <laughs> <laughs> just because you're hurting doesn't mean I'm going to hurt. With oh, my God. <laughs> what is um? what's your one tip for people to fuck like a goddess? What would you say? Just like let love, let love, let love, let life, let let everything, your experiences, your pain and your pleasure enter you and open to it and soften to it. Literally, like if you could lay down on the ground and go, life, take me <laughs> like and not not fear that you're going to get hurt or you're going to look dumb or you're going to break your heart, you know, but let your heart break. Let yourself look dumb. You know, mm. that is like fucking like a goddess. It's just like life and everything. You gain so much power. You walk down the street as a woman who's unafraid of looking dumb or being hurt. And you're just like, but I am love and I am life. So like, I'm okay. Like that is so magnetic and so beautiful. So yeah, it's, it's hard to do some days, but that's, that's to fuck like a goddess. Mm so powerful and the book is out now when this episode is coming out yes. today is the day yeah so excited where can people find the book how can people work with you mm. so you can find the book on um you know IndieBound, barnes and noble amazon also linked in my instagram at alexandra roxo and there's all sorts of little bonuses and things that i'm offering during this time so follow me on instagram and, and i will be sharing you know special online classes that you can join and um, bonus practices. And I also work with women in the capacity as a mentor, healer, and a coach. And yeah, I'm always calling in wonderful women who want to go deep in this type of processes. It gives me great, great pleasure. So yeah, thank you all for, for having me and for having this beautiful like through line over the past few years as we've all grown together since I was on the podcast like three and a half years ago and I was just starting my journey and mm-hmm. being a coach and a healer and you know we were in a tiny little room yeah little op- that was <laughs> well, um, we were at um, uh, that place we used to record oh yes it's tiny called um, Village Workspaces Village Workspaces so wow cute. oh now, my god now we're in this gorgeous pink womb room <laughs> it isn't like a womb yeah <laughs> I love it yeah the, it's like yeah it's like a little it's yummy little <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we love you. And yes, please go get Fuck Like a Goddess. Mm-hmm. And you, well, thank I can't you. wait. You're the best. <laughs> we You're love best. y'all. We'll see go you fuck soon. like goddesses. Thank <laughs> you. I <laughs> love you. <laughs>Thanks so much, Alexandra. We love you. Her new book, Fuck Like a Goddess, is out now. You can get it on her website, alexandraroxo.com. Yeah, we have our workshop that we did with her on our website, shopalmost30.com. We have a previous episode with her you can dig into by searching her name and then Almost 30. And we have our new Paradigm Workshops that Mm -hmm. is still going on. You can buy all the recorded workshops from the shop. And the one we have upcoming is with Brie, all about aliens, channeling, um, and her experience being abducted. Yeah, it's going to be dope. And we have our merch, of course. So rock our merch. The softest merch in the game. Yeah, we can't wait to see it on you. That's on shopalmost30.com as well. We'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time. And if you want to find a way to support the pod, if you just take a second, if this episode has impacted you by writing a review, it would mean so much to us. We appreciate and love you. Love you.